Hey, good morning to you. Sometimes you get asked to preach on something and it's an absolute delight. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. How are you this morning? How are we going as we're society's starting to get, you know, sort of a bit more back out of uh, lockdown? I had to use lots of product in my hair today, unlike some of you that I've seen wandering around who've got really slick haircuts you've got out and about. But uh, look, it's a great morning for us to focus on this Psalm of David, uh, a real treasure. Let me pray as we come to his word. Father God, we do just invite you into this space this morning. Lord, we ask that your word would, uh, yeah, breathe into us, Lord, breathe into us something that's positive, something that takes us on, something that helps us to live out this life for your glory. Amen. Yeah. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all letters within me, praise his name. Praise the Lord, my soul, all of my inmost being. Praise the Lord. That's... um, What this psalm is about this morning, being able to direct our attention to the Lord. Um, Modern renderings of it use this expression, praise the Lord. More older versions tend to use this uh, word, bless the Lord. We're going to investigate all of those things as we move on. This this psalm is described by others uh, just as a hymn of praise. uh, And and you'll notice as we read it together that it starts and finishes with this uh, one phrase, bless the Lord. Oh my soul, like two bookends to hold together uh, this brilliant stuff. So let's listen to it. I'm going to flick over to a YouTube clip. We're very thankful for these resources available to us. Enjoy. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, His days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. 
Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Well, wasn't that a read, eh? What, what caught your eye? What, what touched your heart on the way through? Of course, it gets off to such a powerful start, doesn't it? For those uh, who like to make a list, let's never forget all the benefits that God brings into our lives. And uh, David in this song, maybe this is the first verse of his song, he talks about five things. God forgives all my iniquities. Uh, verse 10 sort of elaborates on that idea. He does not treat us the way that our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Number one on the list, he forgives our sins. Number two, he heals my diseases, diseases of the mind, the body and the soul. Uh, sometimes, you know, God heals our diseases miraculously in this life and certainly in the one to come. And when we think about healing, we often, just, we often simply focus on the healing uh, of the body and we're, we're conscious that this earthly, dusty frame that we've been given uh, is wearing out, that sickness comes upon us and injury. And sometimes in this life, God does amazing things that restores health to us. But what about the blessing of God uh, healing our into our mind and our soul and helping us to think correctly about stuff and lifting us up on the inside. Point number two, he heals our diseases. Point number three, um, he redeems me from the dead. He buys back the lost and lifeless thing. The word redeem, you go and you pay back, you buy something back. What a powerful idea. After the evening, the morning comes. You know, he buys back the dead things. God is the God of resurrection. I was lost, but now I'm found. I've been brought back. Number three, he redeems me from the dead. Number four, he crowns me with love and mercy. What a beautiful image, a crown, a crown of love and mercy. On top of everything else, that symbol of authority, his crown of love and mercy dwells on my head. Uh, and finally, he fills our life with good things. What a catch-all that David comes in on here. He fills our life with good things. It's easy to focus on the things that we struggle with and miss the fact that we have these constant good things that are around us, the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, the food uh, in our belly, a roof over our head, people who care for us, a place of safety. And ironically, it's often when we're under deprivation that we gain an insight into the abundance that we normally have and, and, and have a deep sense of gratitude for the good things. Sometimes it's only when things are taken away from us that the shock of that you know, brings us into a better place of acknowledging the good things that we have. Food when we're hungry, uh, stopping on a hot day for a drink, these simple things, a small piece of shelter when the rain is belting and the wind is blowing, the listening ear of a friend uh, when we just need someone to listen to. All of these beautiful things, sometimes when we're deprived, uh, it creates great gratitude in us. And so we sh in, in all seasons of life, uh, you know, this is encouraging us to see that uh, God gives us good things. 
The psalm reminds us to remind ourselves to see the good and to glorify God for it. Now, the life context of this psalm in the life of David is unclear. We don't really know where David was at in his personal life, uh, how he was going. Maybe this was a high point that's you know, causing him to praise. Maybe it was actually a low point in his life that was causing him uh, to refocus his thoughts around God and his glory. But we do know that David, like us, experienced incredible high points in his life. Life, and he also experienced incredible low points. And we can probably assume from some of the things we read in here, uh, his focus on forgiveness uh, and some of the reflective language that we read about, you know, getting older, uh, older age, that he's probably writing this song later in his own life. But the main thing, as I prepared this last week, that I want to focus on and encourage you with is all around the idea of self-talk. This psalm is a really good example in Scripture of the importance of speaking the right things to himself. And David, if you like, is giving himself a jolly good talking to. Listen up, soul. Come on, inward being. Listen, we're going to bless the Lord. Do you ever give yourself a good talking to? Um, do you grab yourself by the scruff of the neck, so to speak, and give yourself a good talking to, a bit like a coach to the player saying, come on, soul, listen up. Having the right self-talk going on in our lives is so important in our Christian walk. Replacing fear with faith. Replacing that narrow focus, you know, as we can get all consumed by our own concerns and broadening that up to this God perspective. We've talked about this a number of times over this series of Psalms for Every Season. Well, I would describe this psalm this week as almost a catch-all. It's in our series, Psalms for Every Season, but this is actually a psalm for every season in our own life, unlike some of the ones that we've looked at in previous weeks that have had a very particular focus. This is like a psalm for general use, you know, in all stages of life. The psalm draws out in us the important biblical principle of remembering, living in the ever-presence of the most important thing. The Old Testament has many references to the importance of remembering. And uh, as we read through the narrative in the Old Testament, we'll see many times memorials are built to remember those particular breakthrough moments and things that God's done in the life of individuals or in uh, the life of the nation of Israel. The, the law puts into place all sorts of festivals and each one of those festivals tells a story and it points back to things of the past so that people can move forward and keep God in their focus. And Jesus picked up these principles by giving us a simple celebration of communion, simple celebration and memorial stones of baptism. These, these two things, for example, are other great memorials that help us to remember, cause us not to forget. I ask myself during the week, is there a difference between remembering and not forgetting? Is there a difference between remembering and not forgetting? I think there is a subtle difference. Um, I, 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 as I thought about this, I thought, yeah, you often hear people say, oh, do you remember when? Or, oh, I remember when. And, and often the tone of using that phrase, I remember or do you remember, is sort of whimsical. You know, it's sort of going back to something that was nice to think about. Um, but when you hear somebody start a sentence with, I'll never forget... There's a little bit more grunt to it, isn't there? And, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help but take my mind back to myself as a child with my own mother. My mother would say things to me, remember to take your lunch money. 
<laughs> she didn't really care whether I remembered to take my lunch money at all. She was, she was being polite and encouraging me, remember to take your lunch money. But if I forgot to take my lunch money, it was no skin off her. I was going to come home, I was going to be hungry, and I was going to remember. It was going to be, there was a life lesson to be learnt for me. But when my mum called out, and don't you forget, <laughs> something like, don't forget to take your muddy shoes off, well, this was a higher issue. And I concluded, you know, in, in the way that we think about this, that not forgetting is a little more active. It's, it's, it's not passive like remembering can be. Let's not forget. And I feel like David here in this psalm, it's like, let's not forget. Let's remember. It's a very positive thing. It's spiritually important that we set up the right rhythms in our life to get on the right side of this, to choose not to forget and to remember to the, the important things. And as human beings, uh, I've found that we're prone to forgetting. Have you, dis you discovered that? We're prone to forgetting really important things. And so this psalm is full of this self-talk. Oh, soul within me, you will not forget. You will remember. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Let all that is in me praise the Lord. And, the, and this blessing the Lord principle... Uh, has been a characteristic of Christian faith down through uh, the centuries. There was a document that was put together in 1647. It's called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Now, the Shorter Catechism, the shorter one, is composed of 107 questions followed by their answer. And probably the most famous question in this uh, catechism is the very first one. And the first question written in 1647 English is... What is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? Maybe if we were putting it in 2021 language, we might say, what's our main purpose as humans? What's our reason for being? The answer to the question uh, in 1647 language, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I think that one translates quite well. Maybe the 2021 version is our main purpose and reason is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Isn't that a lovely, isn't that a lovely sentiment? And I think the psalm captures this idea. It's a biblical idea. Um, I think we see this same sentiment in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 as the story of Ecclesiastes is coming to an end. The philosopher has been wrestling in discussion with friends and with God around the deep problems of evil and injustice in this broken world and he brings it to a conclusion verse 13 of that very last chapter now everything has been heard so I give my final advice honor God and obey his commands because this is all people must do and so this principle of blessing God or honouring God, worshipping God, um, I give my final advice, honour God and obey his commandments. This principle of blessing, honouring, worshipping God um, is, is fundamental to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If we don't worship or honour God, we usually end up worshipping ourselves and that gets ugly, gets very ugly, self-serving and closed-minded. Hebrews 12 in the New Testament puts it this way, picks up the same idea, verses 14 and 15. Here on earth, we do not have a city that lasts forever, but we're looking for a city that we will have in the future. So through Jesus, let us always offer to God 
our sacrifice of praise coming from lips that speak his name. I'll just repeat that, verse 15. So through Jesus, let us offer to God our sacrifice of praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul, coming from lips that speak his name. And so in Psalm 103, we have this encouragement to bless the Lord in all seasons of life. And David's song moves from talking about this list of five benefits that he's experienced in God. Uh, that, and he moves on to talking about God's character as father. He talks about the benefits that God brings into our life and that moves him to thinking about what God is like, his character, and say, so, I don't know where the verses are, but verse 1, things that God does. Verse 2, what God is like. When we know God's father heart, we actually have deep reason to bless him and to praise him in all circumstances. Now I want to perch a few ideas around this idea of the word bless. Many uh, modern translations avoid using the word bless in this passage and I imagine it is because the word itself is a bit of a religious word. It's got a religious tone to it that sort of needs explaining for you know people who perhaps aren't familiar with that to understand and so many of the modern translations prefer to use expressions like let everything that is within me my soul praise or bless the Lord and this is a very good and undisputed way to render the Hebrew in modern English praise the Lord with all you've got AJ that would be a simple way of summing it up for me praise the Lord with all you've got AJ I had a little bit of an experience with this idea of praising the Lord when I was younger um, not, uh, not long after I became a Christian, in those first few years, um, I, I needed to make an attitude adjustment. Do you sometimes need to make an attitude adjustment? I still need to make attitude adjustment. I needed to be less cranky when things weren't going my way. And I needed to learn to praise the Lord in all things. As I was reading scripture, this idea of praising the Lord in all things really was quite confronting for, my, for, for me. And, uh, and so as I thought about this and talked with the Lord about it, I realised that my language um, needed some adjustment. I needed to take on the challenge of removing certain expletives uh, from, from my language, from my dictionary. And I'm still a work in progress on that one, as many of you will know. Um, but when something happens that I didn't like, you know, there's that anger, that frustration in me that would often spill out into my words. And so I came up with this idea, great idea. I thought instead of using the what I might otherwise say, I'll say praise the Lord instead. And so I began the process of reprogramming my, my, my mouth. And I was going quite well, to be honest, at changing the language coming out of my mouth. So, you know, something would happen, I'd go, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But after a few months of getting into the habit of actually saying praise the Lord, I had the realisation or the extra revelation, if you like, that whilst I'd changed what was coming out of my mouth, I hadn't actually changed my heart. I was now simply saying the words praise the Lord with the same heart attitude as if I was swearing. I'd turn praise the Lord, if you like, into my new swear word. Oh, 
the human heart, eh? I'd turn the phrase, praise the Lord, into a swear word. So I'd say, praise the Lord, but I wasn't really praising the Lord. I was just saying those words. Maybe you've experienced the same thing. It was a helpful thing for me. Anyway, as I continued to confront that, I realised that I began to, I actually began to realise that when my heart was angry or frustrated like that, I needed to create some silence in my mouth and allow the truth of God being in this circumstances to sink back into my heart before I could genuinely say, praise the Lord for this difficult thing that I'm facing right now. Lord, I know that you are in the midst of it. And so gradually I began to be able to have a different approach to my disappointments and my anger. I started to let them in abiding life language. I I, I let my disappointments and my anger chase me back to Jesus and genuinely praise God. I'm still a work in progress, but anyway, just a window. Anyway, I digress a bit. Let me Um, Let me come back to this term, bless the Lord, and how it can be a part of a heart transplant and a renewing of our mind. What does this word bless actually mean? If you look it up in in a Bible dictionary, you'll discover that the word in Hebrew that's translated bless simply means to kneel to kneel. Uh, And in certain places where the context determines that, uh, it's just simply translated in various Bible passages as kneel, because that is what the word literally means. Um, I enjoy a bit of etymology. Do you like a bit of etymology? I I, I quite like looking up where different words come from, and and sometimes I try to fool Fiona. Fiona can be quite difficult to fool on, on words, but sometimes, you know, I just Put, make up a fanciful, fanciful story as we're talking about something about where a word comes from by extrapolating on the way that the word sounds to me. And, and sometimes I, you know, sometimes I can be quite convincing. Yeah? So I'll say something stupid like, "Oh, oh yeah, they, yeah, they, they call it a supermarket." Um, yeah, they call it a supermarket. That's because of the meerkats, you know, uh, the way that the meerkats uh, exchange their nuts and fruits with one another. And then when it moved from the Latin into the English, meerkat market kind of got mixed up. I do stupid things like that. Sometimes I catch her out. Very occasionally I catch it out, but otherwise it's a good laugh for us. But I do like the way that we can get a little bit of an idea of where words come from. And we all know that words change and morph um, as as they're used. People use them in different ways. And sometimes the history of words can be helpful for us in our understanding. So this word that's translated bless in the Old Testament, it means to be happy, to be healthy, to be whole, to be provided for, to be prosperous. Or when you think about it in the other direction, when you bless somebody else, to impart a desirable thing upon the other person. This word that literally means to kneel migrated from its literal meaning of to kneel before um, and it it came to mean this other thing. How how did that happen? Well, importantly, when you stop and you think about it in the ancient cultures, the the act of kneeling before someone uh, was a a way in the culture of showing both adoration and respect. And so you knelt before somebody, you were sort of blessing them, if you like, in the the modern way of us understanding that idea, that broader way, you were blessing them by showing them honour and respect. And so this word that's translated uh, bless, with just a few you know, add-ons in the Hebrew, it, 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 can, it can literally mean to kneel before someone and give them a gift. 
because you know, coming off that core word to kneel. And so this was a common part of their culture. You know, when you arrived at someone's home or when you left somebody's home, you knelt before them, you might bring a gift, and you showed them adoration and respect. And so this kneeling, this act of kneeling took on this broader meaning of, you know, being blessed is somebody's kneeling before me, they're making me happy, I'm healthy, they're, they're providing, they're gifting me, all of these beautiful ideas. And I think perhaps we've lost the richness of that, obviously, in our society. We don't often turn up to somebody else's place and kneel before them at, at their house. And so I think this etymology, I think, adds a little bit of texture to me of what it actually means to bless God, bowing in adoration and respect. But not just in the act of singing a song, bless the Lord, oh my soul, in church, but actually by the way that I live, in my heart as a 24-7, bowed in adoration of respect, bless the Lord, oh my soul. But then when you flip this idea around and you think of an ageing patriarch like the story in the Bible of Jacob speaking out blessings to his sons, words of blessings, words of honour and words of adoration over his sons nearing his deathbed and he's blessing them. And you, when you think about that in the reverse direction of the patriarch, the father to his son, and you get a little bit of an image of this, of this tingly, awesome meaning of if God, in a sense, kneeling before us in adoration and respect for us, a big God and a little us, and in a sense kneeling before us and giving out all of the good things that we enjoy in this life, you know, from the simple things like breath and food and shelter to friends and all of the other good things that we, in a, he kneel, in a sense, he kneels before us and gifts us with that. Don't forget that God. Soul, remember that God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. We started earlier in focusing on those benefits. He forgives me, he heals me, he redeems me from death, he crowns me with love and mercy and he satisfies with so many good things. But let's finish with another list because like I said before, David moved uh, from thinking about the benefits that God brings into his life to thinking about what God is like. It really starts for me in verse 8. Just let me reel off a few of these Beautiful things. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Verse 13, a father, as a father, has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So the Lord is by nature compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And as our father, he has compassion on us who fear him. And it elaborates on what, what does that mean? He'll not keep accusing us. He ceases being angry with us. He doesn't treat us the way our sins deserve. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love of those who fear him. The height of the heavens, you know, where God's dwelling place and our dwelling place, that sort of distance, it's metaphorically saying that's the sort of love that he has for us. And how far has he removed our transgressions? As far as east is from west. And so this um, God's character of love and forgiveness is being elaborated on here. And this is the father that Jesus could trust. This is the father when Jesus put on a human body and came from that heavenly dwelling and dwelt amongst us. This is the father that Jesus could trust, even to death, death on a cross. God knows our condition. 
Verse 17 says, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness is with their children's children. God knows our condition. He knows us. This is the Father that Jesus could trust, even to death on a cross. So this is a beautiful song where David calls his inner being to attention. Come on, soul. Bless the Lord. We will do well to live this same way and be encouraged by this. So bless the Lord, O my soul. Let all that is in me praise his name. Let us be a people who live that way and, and ask Jesus to take us on a journey where we understand those things and get them working. Let, let all of the things that we wrestle with in life chase you back to Jesus. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let all that is within me praise his name. Amen.